0: Welcome to Circle Forward, conversations and stories about restorative practices in schools, where today we listen to Steve's story time, and we talk about alternatives to suspensions and expulsions, as well as some practical things you can do at school to shift attitudes. Our website, again, is circleforward.ca, or follow us on Instagram at circle.forward. Here are your hosts, Shelley, Steve, and me, Stan. Steve and Shelley and Stan, and how are you doing today?
1: Doing very well, thank you. It's finally sunny here in Ontario.
2: Yeah, it's been a great day out in the garden, trying to get things back back into normal. So yeah, it's been good. Moods are so climate-dependent,
1: aren't they? they just,
2: the
0: sun shines, I feel good. It's raining. Yeah. So, we have uh, today another opportunity to hear from Steve with Steve Storytime. So, Steve, you got a story for us?
2: Yeah, I do. Um, and it's one that um, I've told quite often. I, I've entitled it, Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. And it has to do with a time I had an intermediate student, a parent of an intermediate student came into my office one day demanding a suspension because his daughter had been bullied and threatened over the phone and, and through the internet. And he knew that the school board had a policy that, you know, threatening behavior was a suspendable offense. And he was demanding five days at a minimum and more if he could get away with it, I suppose. So I took it as an opportunity to try and explain what restorative practices were because I, knowing the girls and their situation, situation, I thought this might be a good opportunity to try and, and do it. So I explained a bit about what restorative was and I wasn't getting through when I finally asked the parents, I said, well, if I suspend this girl for five days, how do you think she'll act towards your daughter when she does come back to school? Cause they're in the same class. So he thought about it for a bit and he said, okay, well let's try it your way then if you think, you know. And so I said, great, well, let's give it a shot. And so I had the girls come in and, you know, singly and then, and, and then together, turns out that they were on again, off again, friends and the conflict had actually happened when one was sleeping over at the other person's house, that's how close of friends they were and things were said. And then the other girl went home and emailed her back and said some threatening things. So when we brought the girls in and we talked Talked about it, we brought their friends in, we cleared up the comments and on all of what it really was, which was much ado about nothing. And then also set some sort of guidelines of how we could get along better and how we could talk to each other in the future before getting on the internet and threatening each other. And so when I reported back to the father, ultimately he was satisfied with the result because really, it wasn't about the suspension at all. It was about ensuring that the girls got along and his daughter was safe. And that's really what happened through the restorative approach that we took. So I reflect on that and I tell this story because it's about me being explicit. We talk about explicit and explaining things to people. I was explicit with the, the parent about what the practice was and what I was hoping to achieve by it. And I was able to move forward without the pressure to implement a punishment because I knew that it wouldn't achieve the same result. So I tell that story quite often when people talk about how do you implement. Implement restorative practices. Be explicit.
0: You've never had that happen, right, Shelley? That uh, parents or someone has come up to you and said, "Oh, hey, you know, I think that we need to have X number of suspension days, suspension or, or or punitive measure." Right?
1: Absolutely. It's particularly in safe schools, and often it's because people don't know there is an alternative, like in Steve's situation, when you something different is presented and they move through that process. More than once, people have said, why didn't we do this six months ago? Um, That they realize, they just don't know that there is an alternative. And I think that's part of our responsibility to share that as an alternative, because it's understanding the goal of what they're wanting for their child. And most often, they really aren't interested in having the other kid, you know, kicked out. They just don't know what else to ask for. They just want it to stop or something to start for their child. And so it's taking the time to hear what that is, and then saying, Hey, I have this for you to consider as well.
0: I, I had a similar experience with a situation where I walked in a little bit early, and this was a more formal conference at high school. And so the cir- the chairs were already set up in a circle, and one set of parents and their daughter were already there. And as as I walked in, the dad said something like, I hope you brought your body armor, because you're gonna need it today. I thought, Oh, boy, here we go. Here we go. We had An amazing conversation, working through all the emotions, the whole formal process. And at the end, he said something similar to what you mentioned, Shelly. And that is, man, this is great. We should have done this long Mm. ago. Then I realized, oh, that's just the way the guy talks.
1: That's the way he talks.
0: (laughs) But it was the same kind of thing, right? Come in expecting something really, wanting something really punitive and come away with a more satisfactory result, something to start or something to stop. Like, start getting along or or start coming to school or stop calling names or whatever it happens to be, right? There have been situations, I'm sure, where these kinds of things have gone
2: on and on and on over time. Yeah, well, exactly. And and with social media now, that, that's their preferred form of communication. And it's, as we all know, it's not a great way to... Yeah. And, and so with social media, um, we know it's not the best way to communicate. And that's the way a lot of people like to communicate now. And it really doesn't get the message clear. We know that talking to each other, even over the phone, is preferable than, you know, sending these messages back and forth that you can't see the body language and you can't see the emotion and all those things that we've talked about in the past. You know, in, in many ways, you know, making phone calls kids would make phone calls and call each other. 20, 30 years ago, that was preferable. At least they were talking. Now they don't do it. So that's why, you know, we like to get them into the office and get them facing each other and get them talking. And so they can certainly clear up things in a much better manner. So in this case, yeah, it was, you know, it was a misunderstanding to a degree. But a threat was made and, but which the girl had a chance to explain why she was so angry when she made the threat and how sorry she was, that was never expressed. And, you know, as I said to this father and and both said the same, it's ultimately all they really wanted was things to stop and the girls to get along and they didn't want the threat to be carried out with. But to your point, Shelley and Stan, I mean, you know, they don't know any, it's the old thing. If the only, um you know, the only tool you've got is a hammer. Every problem looks like a nail. But if they know there's another way to get to the same point, then let's do the, the way that works better. So, but we had to explain those things. That's why That's they right. don't know. And, you know, they went through school at a time when punitive was the way everybody learned. Everybody learned the hard way. And they say, well, it was so much better back when you got punished and you learned and you moved on. We also forget that 30, 40, 50 years ago, a lot of kids dropped out of school and they weren't successful in school and they had a terrible time. And school is different now. We have higher expectations and And, and, you know, kids, when they had a lousy time in school, would drop out in grade 9 and 10 and we never saw them again. Now we need to keep them in school. We need to find better ways to keep kids getting along so they can relate to each other.
1: Your story also brings a couple of things to mind for me that very often off school property, incidents, conversations, conflicts come into school. And you know, there used to be the adage, well, that that didn't happen at school. So it's not to be managed here, or you can't manage it here, because it was off hours, when in fact, we know that stuff carries in, it isn't that you go home anymore, and you don't have contact with anybody because of social media because of texting. So those things absolutely do impact what goes on at school. The other piece is my experience in schools, unless there's a very clear, clear conflict or an assault, etc. I, a great majority of conversations that we need to have is not a clear somebody's causing harm and somebody's being harmed. These are relational conflicts. And there's usually more than one piece to the story. So it's getting people together to have those conversations and, and, you know, sort out some of the hurt that's happened.
0: It's really tough, though, when if you're in the school setting, and you can actually observe both sides, the person who's caused harm and the person who's been harmed, and you have to talk to the to the parent Of the student who's been harmed, and say, actually, your child was involved in doing X or Y. Like it is not a great conversation, and it tends to go downhill really fast because parents get put on the defensive. Like this has been done to my child, right? So adopting a very much a victimized mentality as well.
2: That that's it's a societal piece too, and everybody looks at every problem in society and in schools as a microcosm, as somebody's got to be totally right and somebody's got to be totally wrong, and they all. Always want to look at they don't want to look at that middle ground well maybe there's a bit on both sides and you know maybe we can apportion blame 60 40 or 50 50 or whatever it happens to be and yet, people don't see it that way it's got to be somebody else's fault entirely it can't be anything i've done or it can't be anything the other person did so it, it's it's an interesting thing when parents come in and of course they only hear the side of the story that they get from their own child and some parents will come in and say okay here's the story i've been given can you please help me out and look into it and let me know what what's gone on is I think they realized that there's probably another side that they're not getting. Although we don't see that as often as we'd like to see. I'll be honest.
1: We've talked, uh, we've talked before about there's so many things that go on in a whether that be a formal conference or a less formal circle, there's so many things that go on in there. But one of my favorite things is watching when a child is able to take responsibility for their actions, because they feel safe to do that, they understand there's going to be a way to resolve it. And to to have a parent sit quiet while their child is taking responsibility for their actions, when that wasn't what they entered the circle with, they were looking for somebody to to blame or to be consequenced in some way, but I, you know, it it can go either way. A parent can try to talk over their child. And I've had to ask a parent in a circle to please let their child continue because they are taking responsibility for their actions. And how empowering is that for the kid? But it's also for a parent, I've seen very proud moments too, where they have sat quiet and they've watched their kid, their child be able to take responsibility and figure out how to make it right. And in that moment, they're realizing the power of that moment as well.
0: I like what you said too, Steve, that um, you made things really, really explicit. I guess the the, the, the common way to explain it, because explicit sounds like quite a big fancy word, is, is just setting the limits and expectations around what it is that we're going to be doing so that we will be doing this, but we won't be doing that so a parent who came to me and said i want to have a restorative circle with that family also indicated that they wanted to take a couple of other people along because those people've got something coming and i've got some things that i want to say to them and boy oh boy and i just kind of said you know nope, maybe the attitude isn't working here because i'm not going to facilitate a meeting like that if you're coming in with the attitude of i'm going to you know get a pound of flesh for for my son or my daughter so to set out the parameters and the guidelines one Expectation that came up early, early on in our work with the board it was quite an interesting one. Is a principal who is no longer actively in, in the principal principalship. In the course of a fairly formal conversation, said, "Oh, listen, you know, we don't have to follow this process. Just we'll just have an oral agreement. We'll just we'll just agree." Um, and then she called me two weeks later and asked for a copy of the oral agreement which didn't exist so uh (laughs) it was just kind of like no that's not the way that we do things either so i wonder too though because it is an attitude shift and 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 an approach shift and a learning about alternative shift, what other kinds of things can we do, whether we're an EA or a principal or a superintendent or a teacher, what other kinds of things can we do to start to help to shift that? Even if it's just a small step, what else could we do to
2: help shift that a little bit, do you think? There's a lot of little things. I always say it's the little things that add up to be a big thing, but it's also consistency. So as a Principal in the school, or even a teacher in a classroom. If you start to do those little things, continue with it all the time, and make sure you always handle problems in the similar way. Don't do it one week and say, "Oh, I haven't got time this week." I, that's it. You got a detention. The kids are going. Well, you're going back and forth, and so you, it's really about being consistent in how you manage problems and how you deal with problems, discipline problems, relational problems, whatever. And so people will soon learn that's the way you work. That's the way you will deal with it. And I always say, you know, kids are going to go home and tell their parents how you dealt with them. Um, and so the parents are going to learn your your approaches are from the mouths of their own children. And if the children say, here's what we did today, then they'll soon, parents will soon learn, I guess that's the way they deal with problems there. That's the way that person operates. Could be that teacher or that principal or whoever. But it is the consistency piece. I always say you have to you have to really resist your inner authoritarian sometimes. When, on those days when you're stressed, when you know it, when you just so simple, just say to the kid, that's it. Just go into my office or you have a detention or you know what I'm just going to suspend you for a day I haven't got time to deal with it all it's really easy to fall back on that you have to resist that and try and stick with your your game plan over time because remember this is a time piece it's not going to change right away over time people will see you manage that way and you work that way and teachers will see you doing that too
1: I think that's really key Steve particularly for students who if this is a change in how we do business they need to learn to trust that process if you're asking me to share what What's happened from my perspective, what I think needs to happen to make things right, I have to trust that at the end game is going to be that we are working through that. The end game isn't a detention or a suspension. Not saying that doesn't have to happen sometimes, because absolutely they can be woven together, restorative practices and other uh, methods of discipline. But the students need to trust that you are open to that. And that you're going to be giving them some voice to this as well. But if you're flip-flopping from day to day, they're not going to invest that time in you either.
0: And I think, too, that people who've been harmed need to know that you believe them, right? Like, if you take the story and say, yeah, sure, are you sure? Like, Or if your first response is, well, what did you do? That's not going to really build a connection and build a sense of trust. You simply have to take the story at face value. I love that. You know, little things, consistency you know, uh, over time, really listen to the, the stories that are that are being told. Now it's time for have your say. And Shelley, you've got a scenario for it.
1: I do. Um, through my years of introducing restorative practices into schools, particularly if we're doing a whole school approach, but even not if we're just introducing it as a, a way to manage discipline, there's often the thought that kids are just getting off easy. They're just going down to the office for a conversation and it's you know they'll they'll have a chat and then they get off easy. I don't know if you guys had some thoughts of of how to respond to that kind of thinking because we know that isn't the case. For people to make that change, sometimes that it weighs on them that the kids are just getting off easy, they're getting what they want.
2: Yeah, you hear that a lot and and certainly in the early days of restorative practices when we were doing restorative conferences. That was the perception of what restorative practices was. Oh, we're not going to suspend kids anymore. They're just going to have a little conversation with you and you're going to tell them how bad they were. And we're going to sing Kumbaya and we're all going to go back to class. And I think that's changed over time now. But when, when people see... The, the you know teachers send a kid to the office for whatever expecting some punitive response and the kid comes back a half an hour later and said yeah it's all done with we I talked to the principal the teacher said well what what are the consequences but what are the you know what what's happened to them they don't understand the process until they've actually been involved in the process and so sometimes you can explain to kids you know, after you've gone through this, kids, they can really struggle with that process. They don't want to face the people that they may have caused harm to. And it's, it can be very difficult for them. And if they can express how difficult a process process that was um, maybe over time people will hear the message that's a difficult process these kids are really struggled with this that may be worth it you know, some kids say just send me home I'd rather go home for a day than have to face those kids and explain to them why I was being so mean to them you know it, it's again it takes time for people to understand it. It's, it can be very very difficult for the teachers and maybe the parents out there observing outwardly and who think while well, the kids are just having a conversation and they get the wrist up. you know it's nice to try and involve them especially with teachers trying to involve them in. In the, those processes, at times, you know, invite the teacher in as an observer, you're going to have a, a small circle with four or five or six kids to deal with something that happened in, in the yard. Have the teacher sit in and observe. You know, then the, then their work goes out to the rest of the staff. Gee, those kids really struggled with that. They were crying. There was this. There was that. You know, so that's the kind of stuff that we need to spread the word that it's not an easy process and they're not getting away with something.
0: And I think too that it's really
2: not about the punishment. Or the consequence. I mean, the
0: cons- there are consequences in restorative practice. And these consequences are in the context of conversations and the relationships that you have. And at the end of the day, what you really want to see happen is that there is uh, a recognition of the impact. Because I can't tell you how many times I've been in conversations where, where somebody said, you know, I had no idea that that's how I affected you or impacted you. And, and very genuinely say, Like I am sorry. I'm sorry for that. And it doesn't have to be that there's an apology. It certainly helps. Uh, There was one situation with uh, girls on a bus, grade three, and there was one ringleader who was really hard on everybody else. And so other parents were complaining to the grade three teacher. And so I spoke with her and we arranged to first meet with this girl who was a leader in class, plus two other leaders. And we set them up and we said, we need your help tomorrow when we do this circle. And we told them what we're going to do. We're going to talk about this book, uh, Sneetches on the Beaches by Dr. Seuss, like Sneetches that have stars and Sneetches that don't and so on. And when it came time to, you know, talk about so can you draw any parallels between that story, snitches who thought they were the best because they had stars, or snitches who thought they were the best because they didn't have stars upon thars? Then is there anything that happens in class that's like this? And then the stories start coming out. And then I took a, A bit of a calculated risk. The kids were really, really taking taking this very seriously, and I said, "Is there anything that anybody would like to say to anyone else here?" And we had to shut down the apologies after about ten minutes. And the person that we, whose behavior we were trying to change, apologized to each of the individuals that she had been tormenting on the bus. And to the best of my knowledge, it changed that behavior so that it didn't recur. And really, it comes back to what we talked about before. You know, we want that to stop. The stuff on the bus, we want it to stop. I don't think it was easy for those kids in grade three to apologize. It's not easy to sit across the circle from somebody who you've harmed and, and look them in the eye. As a matter of fact, a lot of times people cannot look each other in the eye, in the circle, in, certainly in a more formal type of, of setting. So, you know, kids getting off easy. I think I'd be with the kids in some ways of like, just give me the suspension because that's a lot easier than having to own up to what I've done or whatever.
1: Well, I was just going to, it makes me, I think back to my son who, you know, we need to have a discussion, what I'd be saying to him. He's like, oh, can't you just spank me and get it over with? Would much rather, you know, and I wasn't somebody who spanked, but he thought that's going to be a whole lot easier than having to have that discussion, right? But I really like what you guys are saying. First of all, I'm hearing from Steve, communication, because, you know, if we're doing this in the secrecy of our office and we're doing wonderful work, but people don't really understand what's happening there, the student is going to say, yeah, we just, we had a conversation and here I am back half an hour later. They don't understand the power of the conversation that went on there and we know people can't always be present but if they understood more around what happens in a restorative question uh, conversation what's asked of students and maybe you know they're able to see some examples of that that would be helpful and I also love Stan you starting to enter into the conversation around consequence we always think consequence is a negative thing but really what it is is it's what's resulting from our behaviors that can be positive and negative consequences right it can but we've We've attached negative to consequences. Consequences can be positive as well.
2: Yeah. And that person facing the, you know, the person who caused the harm facing the person they, they harmed, that's a consequence in itself. That face-to-face conversation. And I was just going to jump back in on, on the whole the whole reason that a teacher may send a kid to the office or you've been asked to intervene is because something's happened and they don't want that to happen again. And so there's a, a number of different ways we can guarantee or, or almost hopefully that won't happen again. A lot of people's perception is if you punish that, you punish the person and it's not going to happen again. We're saying, no, we have a way that we think might work better. Ultimately, if those actions don't happen again, We've been successful. And so that's what you have to explain to people. Let me try it my way. Hence the, you know, the story I went back to. I know what I'm doing. I think that my way may get us to the point where this isn't going to happen again. And isn't that all we really want?
0: I didn't know the words restorative practice when I was a principal in elementary school. And so kind of intuitively, there were two guys who were fighting who weren't getting along. They got into you know physical fight. And so the the result of that, the consequence, if you will, of that was that they had an in school suspension, something we still do at the time, where they had to work together on this project that I gave them. They had to work together, and at the end of the day, these two guys came to me and they said, "Can you suspend us again tomorrow? Because that was just great." <laughs> so, <laughs> and and I said, "Guys, I would love to." However, it really solved what was the you know, the root issue, which was the conflict that they had. I think people are complex and situations are complex and it's never a one size fits all or certain age or other age. And I continue to be surprised by people's capacity to mess things up, like to do things that you kind of think, oh my goodness, how did you do that? And I'm continually surprised by people's capacity to fix it sometimes within 60 minutes and walk out being okay with it. And that's the power of this process over time.
2: Well, timing is a key part of it too. And, and maybe that's a topic for another, another uh, day and another conversation about timing and how when we delve in and start talking about things or when we give people a chance to breathe and think. Um, but timing is a, a key point. And I think, you know, a lot of people I've dealt with over the years, sometimes they want to talk about it right away. Sometimes they need a day. And sometimes they'll need half an hour. They need to deescalate or they'll need time to think. Some like to write it all out first and, and some just like to talk. So you're right. People are complex. I think it's just the way each individual expresses themselves. And But timing is a key piece.
0: Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, or wherever you're listening. And... Give us a rating. Hint, we like fives and fours. Have a story or scenario for us to talk about? Drop us an email to stan at restorative.ca. Follow us on Instagram, circle.forward, and let's keep the conversation going.